Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. What I'd like to do this evening is trace our way around the Advent wreath, but I'm going to turn the usual order of the candles a little bit topsy-turvy, so bear with me as we do that. From the beginning, the very beginning of the gospel according to John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. At the season that comes in just a few days now, we remember the coming of, of God into human form, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, a babe in a manger with all the power of the universe and a little itty bitty space. And we need to remember, at least I do, that at times when things seem darkest, when I, I feel like I'm buried most deeply under that dark wave, there's always a light. That that light is with us. Christ is with us through all of our moments. He doesn't forget to be there. We sometimes forget he is. And when things are darkest, we need that candle. And it bears remembering, I guess, a little bit. I'm an engineer, too, that there is no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of light. And we think it's dark when we forget to focus on the light that is Jesus Christ. He certainly suffered everything we have in life and probably more than most of us will. So we know that through him, God is faithful to be with us, even at our deepest heartaches. Christ is there. Christ offers the light. Christ is the source of the, the other lights that we're going to light and look at and reflect upon this evening. 
but Christ is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. There when God created the world, we'll be at the right hand of God when at least this world comes to an end. Second passage is from the first letter of the same apostle John in the fourth chapter. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. So we light what is normally the fourth candle of the Advent wreath, the candle of love. When we're grieving, when we have heartache, it's easy if we're down in that dark wave to think love got us into this in the first place, didn't it? And I know some of you have heard me say at one time or another and some fairly recently, God gave us all our feelings. Love beyond a feeling is a choice. We choose to love someone truly. But a lot of warm feelings come with it. But among the feelings God gives us is grief. And I give thanks for the heartache of grief because I know that I only grieve deeply when I've loved deeply. And the more deeply I have loved and been loved, the more then when there is a parting of some kind, the more, the more deeply I feel the grief. So that even in grief we can give thanks to God that we've had so much love that it's worth the grieving. And the love of which John writes, the language he uses, the language that Jesus uses in describing love to us is not the love of feeling good about somebody. That's strong like. It's not the love of physical attraction to another or even the love of good buddies who, who give as good as they get. It's even stronger than the love of husband for wife or mother for her children which is a certain type of love in Greek. The strongest love, agape love, and you've probably heard the word, is a love of choice, it's a decision. It's a choice to make the other person a little more precious than self. Certainly that's what Christ did for us in coming and leaving the glory of heaven and taking on human form with all of the, the dirty edges and hunger and thirst and things that go with it even to the pain of death for our sake. That's the kind of love that is chosen, that God chooses for us and asks us to choose for one another. 
There's a risk in that. Jesus knew that in loving us that way, he didn't just risk torture and death. It was a certain thing. The author C.S. Lewis, who was a reluctant convert to Christianity, by the way, he didn't grow up that way, and wrote so many wonderfully inspirational books. And I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down. He said that to love is to give your heart and risk having it broken. That's the grief. Is it worth it? Jesus shows us that the choice of that kind of love for one another is more than worth it. It is a precious, precious gift and reflects the very nature of the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That we can have a taste of that kind of relationship and we can seek to model that kind of relationship and in our human frailty and brokenness to come close enough to, to just about taste the joy, to taste the strength of that kind of choice of love. Yes, we risk the heartache, but it's worth the risk. If it's worth it for Christ, certainly it's worth it for us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, writes the Apostle Paul, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So we light the candle of hope. When I first read it and studied it and thought I'd try to preach about it, that passage from Paul struck me very hard. We rejoice in our sufferings? And he certainly did. He knew what it was to be imprisoned, to be beaten, to have a chronic illness, and finally to die imprisoned in Rome. Paul knew. But that out of our Sufferings come perseverance. Because with the love and the help of others, we bear through our sufferings, we bear through whether it's the heartache, the loss, all the other feelings that come with the heartache of loss, and there are, there are many. The shock, the confusion, the anger, the denial, the trying to bargain with God. All those things come with it, and as we bear through those, Perseverance helps to build what, what Paul calls character. Builds a strength in our core, in our feelings, in our thoughts, in our actions. And out of that character then comes hope.
I had a little girl sitting on my, my knee at breakfast one day. She was sitting on her daddy's knee in, in our kitchen. Her family was going through a horrendous situation such that she and her daddy and her big brother were, were spending a few days in our home with us while some things got sorted out. Now, this was Tuesday at breakfast. And little Carrie said to me, Pastor Dave, when do we get to the hope part? Right out of the clear blue. Now, you'd think the preacher could remember what he'd said two days before. But like most people, by the time Monday rolls around, I'm not sure what all the sermon was. That's what she was calling me on. We had talked about this passage from Paul about the suffering, endurance, character. So was it suffering, perseverance, endurance, character, and hope, whatever the sequence of those were, but hope lasts. And this little girl, I'm 11, Pastor Dave, when do we get to the hope part? Was what she was looking for. But we do. We remember love. We remember whatever it is we're grieving and lost. We remember the feelings of love, the feelings of comfort, when it really all falls together, the feelings of shalom, of things being as they're supposed to be. And we wonder, because in the light of Christ, we know that someday things can be that way again. So we have that day to hope for. And Paul says in that hope, we are not disappointed because we have that love, we have that commitment, we have that commitment of choice of Jesus Christ who weeps alongside us whether we can physically see him or not, who shares in the heartache and grief. Remember that if, when Jesus was a few days old and they brought him to the temple for the dedication and the sacrifice and whatnot, the old man Simeon took Jesus in his arms and gave him promised he wouldn't die till he saw the Messiah. And he said, Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace. And he gave a very pretty little bit of poetry about it. But then he looked at Mary and said, and mother, a sword will pierce your heart also. But she knew by the time she held her dead son, years later, she knew who he was what was to come. And a few days later, that hope was fulfilled, as it will be fulfilled for each and every one of us. In God's time, we won't rush anything. But we have that hope of fulfillment shown to us, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, so that we know that life can be lifted again in this life and certainly in the life to come. The light of hope is always there in Christ. From Isaiah, the 55th chapter. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, 
but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And even better from the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to John, the words of our Lord Jesus. Peace I leave with you, My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so we light the candle of peace. You've noticed probably already it's hard to talk about any one of these without the others keep slipping in, don't they? I've talked ahead a little to peace and joy and all the others, even as talking about love and hope. They all surround and stem from the light of Christ. Now we have peace. Now the words of Jesus in that gospel are recorded in Greek so that the the known world could read it. Jesus probably said it in Aramaic, which is the derivation of Hebrew. And I mentioned the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now, in our world, peace is absence of argument, absence of fighting, on a grand scale, absence of warfare. If you have children in the home, peace usually goes with the word quiet. They tend to pair up together, don't they? Peace and quiet. But in the word shalom, the old Hebrew word for it, a wonderful, rich, I like the sound too. When God, humankind, creation and nature, reconciled through Jesus Christ, when we are in relationship that is smooth, loving, easy, when we have that love for other that makes other a tad more precious than self, when we have the kind of generosity and generosity in in faith, generosity in giving, generosity in forgiving, mercy and grace for one another, and the world is as it should be, as God created it in the Garden of Eden, there was shalom until it was broken by human ego, go figure, human curiosity. The peace can return. When we feel grief and loss, I know there have been days I wonder what's peace going to feel like again. But as we remember the love, as we look toward the hope, as we look at the light of Christ, peace returns. The heartache can become covered over with loving memories, with reasons to be thankful that we've had a love worth grieving. And with that then, 
we come at peace again with God through Jesus Christ. And with that peace, dare I say it, sometimes in grief, peace is disrupted in other relationships. We grieve differently. We prioritize differently. We react differently. We have different priorities. All that, when we know shalom again, becomes unimportant. At its best, even becomes forgiven and put way in the back of the mind where we don't have to think about it anymore. And we know peace again. We know the ability to sleep and to wake up and the good thoughts are foremost. The memories don't get lost. But the better things are, and in old Hebrew they say, in the front of the head. That's what's born in the forehead. And then we know peace. Christ offers us that peace every day. He offers to take the hurt. He offers to take the burdens. He died for our sins. How much more will he take things like heartache, confusion, regret, anger? Those are easy compared to taking away our sins. And he will take them and leave us with, as he says, his peace, not as the world gives, his kind of peace. And then we don't need to be afraid anymore. Again, from the Gospel of John, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. On that day you will ask nothing of me. Very truly I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. So we light the candle of joy, the joy candle even has its own color, different from the others. And even in our, our old pilgrim hymnal of congregational tradition, we find a few Latin words, and one of them is gaudete. And gaudete is what has been traditionally sung on the third Sunday of Advent. It means rejoice. Joy returns too. Christ offers us the joy that he has in loving the Father and being loved by the Father. The joy he has in loving us and caring for us the joy he knew in loving his disciples and those around him. He tells us that no matter how great the pain, the joy returns too. We know the joy of being loved by God through Jesus Christ. We know the joy that remains of those who are still here to love us. We know the joy that if something is lost, 
God may just have something better to replace it, but in any case, God is there with us, bearing us up, loving us, and wanting us to know a deep joy. It doesn't necessarily mean happiness to the point of dancing. I can't, so that would be terrible. But a deep relief, a deep, how do you say it? It's more than warm and fuzzy. A wondrous joy in knowing us, ourselves to be so loved that God took on our very form and so doing blessed it, bore it, showed us how to bear it, showed us how to love, how to heal, how to lift up one another, showed us what's going to happen on the grand Easter when we all come to new life again. We know joy and we will know joy again in this life. And we have the promise of the joy in Jesus Christ in life and in all time to come. All the different light coming from one candle. I said there's no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of light. We lighted one candle that would have lit this whole room. The reflection of that light through the love through the joy, the hope, the peace, all the ways that Christ calls us in this darkest time of the year. We remember at this season, this occasion, because tomorrow night is the longest night and you have the least daylight. But we have the light of Christ. And in reflecting from the light of Christ, the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that he shares with us and wants each of us to share with one another. And those, prom those promises cannot fail. Cannot fail. Christ has shown us the fulfillment of them. He's there for each of us. Again, if we close our eyes, we have darkness. If we look to God through Jesus Christ, we have the light of the whole world. I pray that whatever dark corners we have left, minds, hearts, lives, that that light of the world will shine into them, brighten them, lighten the burden that they can become, and remind us just how loved we are and in how much joy Christ loves each of us. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.